Hello, my name is Jill Cook and I'm the Deputy Editor of BJSM and, and we have today with us Dr Alex Contouris who you may have heard speak on cricket injuries in another podcast. Alex, as you might know, is currently the physio for the Australian men's cricket team and has also been the physio for the Sri Lankan team. What you might not know is that Alex has just graduated with his PhD investigating the role of quadratus lumborum in lumbar stress fractures. Welcome again, Alex. Thank you very much for having me again, Jill. Could you start by briefly summarising your findings from your PhD on quadratus lumborum and its role in lumbar stress fractures? Uh, yes, of course. The project started because um, 10 years ago, um, about 2004, 2005, there was some research starting to emerge from Craig Engstrom um, in Queensland showing that quadratus lumborum asymmetries were linked to L4 stress fractures. Uh, and that was quite exciting to see and we, you know, because we were always looking for potential risk factors and things we can modify and it seemed like something that could be modifiable. So I also embarked in a project um, in collaboration with uh, Cricket Australia and looked at whether quadratus lumborum was a risk factor for stress fractures, uh, whether the asymmetry of quadratus lumborum, should I say, as it was a risk factor for, for stress fractures. And the main findings from, from my research were that there was no clear link between um, asymmetry and the development of lumbar stress fractures. So we looked at MRIs, quadratus lumborum on MRIs from, from pre-season, and then we followed players throughout a season and, and saw and, and, and tracked which players developed stress fractures and try to link um, the, the level of asymmetry or the amount of asymmetry with, with stress fractures, and we didn't find the link. What we did uh, find was that asymmetries in quadratus lumborum were quite quite common and, um, it's, and that makes sense. Uh, fast bowling is an asymmetrical activity. Um, we looked at this in both younger fast bowlers and an adult group and again the results were not conclusive to show that there was a, a definite link and you know the, the studies were limited though there was uh, obviously the amount of people that we have in the in the study was limited but also we didn't look at technique which is likely to be an important factor in uh, who develops asymmetry. So fast bowling has, you know, three distinct techniques, you know, and the difference between a front-on bowler and a side-on bowler will probably determine how much uh, asymmetry they get in their quadratus lumborum. So if it appears that quadratus lumborum isn't a major player, what does cause lumbar stress fractures? Is it their technique, the frequency of load, or is it more about the age of the players? Yeah, there's been a lot of research since the mid-80s uh, trying to find the answer to this. And the three things that, uh, you know, you can say are proven risk factors for lumbar stress fractures are age, technique and workload. So younger age, certain types of technique and variations or high workloads um, are the three factors that have been shown. There's obviously other factors uh, as well that are not well understood and have not, haven't been researched well enough. And I think with time, these will um, start to come out. But I think the three big ones are the age, technique and workload. But more importantly, it's the interplay between these three. So for example, someone who's younger um, and has a poor technique will not may not cope with the higher workloads, uh, as higher workloads 
loads as someone who's a bit older and has got a more sound technique. So I think it's there's a, some sort of algorithm that we need to work out between these three. And the person who works that out will be is a very smart man and will um, and will be doing us all a big favour because at the moment it's it is still quite a difficult um, thing to predict. You might be the wrong person to ask this, but do women get them? Women can get them. The problem with uh, women's cricket is that we don't have as much research um, and they probably don't play as often as what the men do. Uh, so, although that's changing now, so you know, in the past, where the researchers, where the research has come from, these these have been factors that I haven't given that make us don't understand it as well as um as what we what we should. But in theory, they should get get them more frequently than men. But that's not uh, there's no evidence at the moment to support that. As with the podcast on cricket injuries, we've been to the Twitter guys to ask for some questions from our Twitter followers. And this question comes from Paul Glazier. And he asks, what do you think of the crunch factor as a possible mechanism for lower back injury in fast bowlers? Yeah, that was a good question from Paul. Paul published a paper a few years ago in 2010 uh, on the crunch factor. It's the crunch factor is basically a combination, the combination of trunk side flexion and rotation, and it uh, it's come out of golf. In golfers, they get into similar positions, and it's basically a theory that getting into those positions causes stress on the posterior elements of the vertebra, and therefore causes uh, um, is is the cause of uh, lumbar stress fractures. It, it's a theory that I think is plausible, and but we don't understand how it, it it happens, and we don't know the the numbers. How you know how much side flexion is required, how much um, rotation is required to to cause this injury. And in fact, how the injury occurs, does it occur because of an impingement uh, when you get into this position or is it more of a traction um, of the bone? So um, they're questions that are really, we're not 100% sure about the mechanisms, but it's a very good um, uh, theory that getting into those positions causes uh, the stress required to develop a stress fracture. Our next question comes from Brett Harrop, and if I'm not wrong, he was a pretty good fast bowler in his youth. Um, as well. And his question is, what makes time frame for return to bowling different after a stress fracture? And he says, for example, Resnan had 15 weeks out to return to the long format of the game, whereas James Patterson has had more than 20 weeks to return to the short format of the game. Yeah, the time frames uh, following uh, lumbar stress fractures uh, are controversial. And the examples he gave with uh, um, Bresnan and Paddinson um, are interesting yeah, because there are different time frames. But uh, I can't really talk about Bresnan because I'm not sure what injury he had. And that's really the, the key here. There's three or four different types of stress fractures that you can have. You can have a stress reaction, you can have a stress fracture, you can have an acute stress fracture on a chronic lesion, or you can have a chronic lesion. And all these uh, are managed differently. And the return to, to play will vary depending on the, the sort of lesion you have. For example, a stress reaction, a stress fracture, you'd be trying to get bone healing with both of those conditions. And therefore, you'll give it as much time as you think is required for the bone to heal. So they typically take a long time. Whereas if you have a chronic 
lesion, so a chronic defect that's just been dis uh, disrupted, those ones tend to have much shorter recovery times and you can get them back playing a lot sooner. So it all depends on the type of lesion and what tournaments you have coming up and the, the player themselves. I mean, the examples there, Bresnan is a 28-year-old fast bowler and Pattinson's a 22-year-old fast bowler. So we're obviously looking at the long-term um, benefits for our young fast bowlers, uh, not to say that the, the English aren't doing the same with their guy, but like I said, I'm not sure what his injury is. But I know, I know with James, there are other issues such as trying to get his technique right, which takes a, a long time. So trying to make make sure we get them back playing, but also try to make it sustainable as well. So when they do come back, they don't have a recurrence. And that's, that's really tricky because um, trying to change their actions takes a very long time. And there's, you know, there's probably research to show that it's very difficult to make these changes and make them sustainable but we still have a go at it because we know it is a risk factor um, the, the format of the game whether it's a short format or a long format doesn't change the outcome that much other than obviously if you're playing a test match you need to be prepared to bowl 300 balls in a game as opposed to if you're playing a t20 game you only have to bowl 24 balls so you can actually come back uh, sooner for a shorter for a shorter format game rather than a longer format. But again, that's sort of the the, the end part of it. That's the end stage rehab, and the the coaches drive that part of it. And um, what we're mainly concerned about is making the diagnosis, understanding what the injury is, and it's not as easy as it sounds sometimes to just determine whether it's a stress reaction, a stress fracture, an acute on chronic or just a chronic lesion, and treating it for what it is. Simon Inslee wants to know what you've learned from the past eighteen months so many young bowlers sustaining lumbar and side injuries? Uh, what we've learnt is that being involved at elite level is a roller coaster. You have some really good times and you have some really bad times and you need to be, uh, be prepared for that. What we've really learnt, though, is that... I, I think we do things pretty well. We've got to still concentrate on the on the big items, and that is age, technique, and workloads. They're the three things that are really important, and if you, you need to be able to do those really well. Um, and if you do those well, you get good outcomes, and if you don't, you, you won't get good outcomes. Like I said uh, previously on the previous podcast, doing this um, is very difficult. It's easier said than done. You know, with the, the modern schedule and being able to manage workloads and prepare players adequately is, is a real challenge and is something that um, very difficult to control in the modern game. So what advice should we give as practitioners to young fast bowlers, perhaps who are not yet at the elite level, who come in with back pain? Perhaps you could divide that up into those who perhaps present without any stress fracture or stress reactions and perhaps those that do. Yeah, obviously the most important thing is to determine what the cause of the pain is um, and there's obviously serious causes of pain like uh, stress fractures and there's uh, reasonably benign causes of back pain that you know aren't really a problem so you need to you need to manage those what, what we need what we the advice we try to give to the young fast bowlers is to make sure that they're well prepared and to have a plan and to stick to the plan so if they have a plan of um, you know, bowling X amount of deliveries or doing a certain type of training, make sure they actually do it, don't cut corners, make sure they're as fit and strong as they could possibly be and make sure they fully recover from small injuries so they're not carrying injuries into into 
games and compromising their technique. So sometimes you can you can have a one small problem in one one part of the body that, that you know that causes you to change the way you do things in other parts of your body, and um, and, and that can that can that can cause injuries in in the spine or in in their ankle. Um, and you know they're the things that we need to try to manage with the young fast bowlers. And. What sort of imaging do you use now for lumbar stress fractures when you're or, or stress reactions? Do you still dependent on CT or do you use MR more these days? Yeah, in in the past we've had to use um, bone scan and CT uh, bone scan to show up uh, an active lesion, so differentiate between an acute and chronic lesion, and CT to confirm whether there's a fracture, so differentiate between a stress reaction and a stress fracture. Now, with the advent of uh, MRI, in particular in the last sort of five or six years, the quality of the MRI and the quality of the radiologists who are uh, doing the MRIs has has improved significantly, particularly with 3T machines, uh, the amount of 3T machines available at the moment. So we use MRI. Um, they're very reliable, I believe, in showing bone edema, and there's a, there's plenty of research to um, that demonstrates this. So we use MRI to, to see whether there's bone edema. We're now trialling and doing a retrospective study to see whether we can see stress fractures um, on uh, the actual fracture on a on an MRI as well as you could see it uh, on a CT and hopefully um, in a few years time we'll be able to get rid of the CT as well so you know we'll be able to do an MRI and a CT typically we you know we have the resources to do this so we MRI them when they you know when we think they have an injury and then um, once they once we make the diagnosis we, we tend to do monthly MRI scans post injury to just to see um, whether the edema is resolving and uh, whether the fracture is healing. And are lumbar stress fractures the injury you hate most when you're with a team, travelling with a team, or is that something else? Uh, stress fractures are, uh, particularly lumbar stress fractures in a young fast bowler is, is, is the one that I hate the most and because the, the cost is so great. You know, it's, it, keeps, it keeps players out of the game for months and particularly for a young fast bowler, typically they've made a step up um, and that's why they get them. They've stepped up from playing state cricket to international cricket and there's an increase in workload and increase in intensity and an increase in stress and, you know, they step up and, and you know, for the career, Career for the opportunity of a lifetime, and they have an injury, and we, you know, we have to tell them that they're out for a considerable period of time, and it's very disappointing for everyone, for the player, for us, for the coaches, and for the fans, and that's something that we, you know, that, that is very hard to do, and in, um, and we've had a few of those in the last few years uh, because we've played a lot of young fast bowlers, uh, we've had a reliance on young fast bowlers in Australian cricket, so that's been something we've seen. Um, you saw this season. We had three mature age fast bowlers, and they all three of them got through five tests in a row, um, and and it just shows that the older fast bowlers um, can cope with uh, the loads better than the younger fast bowlers because they've got this baseline, uh, you know, through their career of uh, of loading that the to fall back on when 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 things get tough. Alex, thanks so much for your time again. I'm sure people will find this podcast very informative and um, good luck going forward with both your cricket and more research in this area. Thank you very much, Jill. It's been a pleasure.